Hello everyone, welcome to episode 2 of the Haunted Visions podcast. We are dedicated to stories of the paranormal, spine-chilling history, and adventures into the darkness of the unknown. So grab a flashlight, lock your doors, curl up under your blankets, and prepare to be scared. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode two of Haunted Visions. My name's Brandy. And I'm Rachel. And today we're going to talk about the Hotel Chelsea. Um, and before we go any further, in case you didn't know, um, please like us and subscribe on iTunes. And if you can, leave a review. Um, it helps people find us. Um, we're very excited to be um, doing this this episode. I find the Hotel Chelsea um, pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, kind of a jacked up place on, 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 in a different place in, than what we did last time. Mm-hmm. Um, but go ahead and, um, like I said, leave us a review, uh, and we will, um, then we'll be able to, it'll be easier for other people to find us. So, um, without further ado, we're going to start talking about this, this creepy hotels are evidently very, very creepy. You can't don't never stay in oh. a hotel if you can help it. Yeah. That and evidently and that's what I'm learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Rachel, um, tell me a little bit about the Hotel Chelsea. Well, I've personally never been there, but I've read a lot about it. Mm -hmm. And I know a couple people that have, and they said, you know, just it's an eerie feeling all around anyway. But um, there are many famous ghosts that are associated with the Hotel Chelsea, and it's located in the state of New York. Um, It's officially referred to as Hotel Chelsea, but there are many that refer to it as the Chelsea Hotel or simply the Chelsea. Known primarily for the notability of its residents over the years, the 250-unit hotel is located at 22-2 West 23rd Street between 7th and 8th Avenues in the neighborhood of Chelsea, Manhattan. Brandy, have you ever been to Manhattan? I have not. Consider yourself lucky. I feel like it'd be too busy for me. Ah. (laughs) So the building has been a designated New York City landmark since 1966 and it's on the National Register of Historic Places and it's been that way since 1977. That's very old. Yes and according to locals the hotel is considered to be one of the most haunted places in New York. And that's saying something because they have a subway. They have a subway. It's they have ha- a subway system. I it's mean, haunted by humans. It's not even people or you know ghosts. It's people. That I know. That creepy place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have a subway. So that is subway system, not a subway <laughs> restaurant. Subway system. So that's. I don't know. I've been to some subway west restaurants that seem to be a little haunted too. <laughs> well, no, sketchy is ske- <laughs> sketchy. sketchy is different. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's saying something because New York's pretty um, pretty bustling place. There's a lot of. There's and a lot it, yeah. of stuff that happened. And happens it was one there. of the first, you know, states that, and colonies that were ever founded. Mm-hmm. So it's very old. Um, according to locals, besides being the most haunted places in, in New York, um, in order to appreciate the famous ghosts that are said to be part of the Chelsea, it's important to understand a bit about the history of that location. All right. So it has been established that the structure was constructed between the years 1883 and 1884. In the year of 1884, guests were permitted to occupy the rooms of the new establishment, and the building consisted of 12 stories and was created using beautiful red bricks. It's a beautiful building. Oh, yeah. It's a gorgeous building. Yeah. These days, you know, they don't make things like they used to, and they don't build hotels like they used Mm-mm. to. The architecture was a collaboration of style referred to Queen Anne's Revival, as well as Victorian Gothic. Well, Yeah. The firm that designed the building was called Hubert Person and Company. I would never name my kid Hubert. I'm sorry if there's any Huberts listening. I just, I'm not a fan of that name. No, it's, yeah, it's kind of a stuffy name. A little bit. 
So, and there are many aspects of the New York City Hotel that make it quite distinctive. So examples include iron balconies and a magnificent grand staircase that goes all the way up to the 12th floor. If you feel like hauling it all the way up, you need to get your steps in. That's a good place for it. For your Fitbit, yeah, it's a good place for it. Mm -hmm. Um, When the Hotel Chelsea was constructed, it gained popularity as being the single tallest structure in the entire state of New York. Despite Mm. this level of popularity, though, it did not take long for the hotel to experience financial complications and close its doors to guests due to bankruptcy. Yeah, you'll have that. That's sad. Well, yeah, yeah. These financial issues were a direct result of the economic problems of the time and the fact that the local theaters moved to other areas away from the hotel. So then you didn't have anything right. bringing people to stay there. However, it was reopened for business in the year of 1905 under new ownership. Just a little over a couple decades later, the hotel experienced bankruptcy a second time. There's got to be a lot of upkeep there. Yeah. Well, so so it sounds like this place is already starting on good grounds of being cursed. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Right. You know, either way you toss the coin. Um, Three individuals elected to purchase the establishment in the year of 1939. Their names were Julius Krauss, David Bard, and Joseph Gross. So Krauss, Bard, Gross. Interesting group of people. Yeah. The new owners retained authority over the building under until the early part of the 1970s when all three died in the 1970s. It's kind of crazy. And the the building was then officially left to a man by the name of Stanley Bard, who was also the son of his deceased owner, David Bard. This ownership became interrupted, though, in the year of 2007 when the other previous owner's relatives took over and allowed management firm to take over it as well. However, this firm no longer has responsibility over the supposed haunted hotel. Just keeps changing hands. Right. While it is true that there have been many owners that have come and gone throughout the lifetime of the structure, there seems to be a reason for the deceased to stay. Even though it is time for them to pass from the physical world to the spiritual world. So they're just hanging out at this hotel. I mean, if it's as beautiful as they say it is, maybe, you know, I don't know that I'd want to leave either. Just getting their steps in. You have celebrities and stuff that stay there. Why not, right? I guess. Um, Many individuals have resided within the popular hotel throughout history, and several of them have been quite notable. Several survivors of the Titanic stayed there for some time in this hotel, as it is a short distance from Pier 54, a white star line dock where the Titanic was supposed to dock you know, before it sank and everything and all that whole mess. Right. So it kind of makes you wonder, too, did spirits, knowing that they were supposed to end up there, makes you wonder if maybe other spirits that went down with Titanic, you know, maybe wanted to check in? Maybe. Or maybe it was just some guy locked up the binoculars and couldn't get to them. (laughs) That's possible. The Chelsea was also home to many sailors returning from their duties in World War I and World War II. This type of popularity could be why there are rumored to be so many famous ghosts. It could also be why the hotel is considered to be one of the most haunted places in New York. There are also many different famous people that have stayed there. Um, example of the Z- Not just stay there, like live there. And some of those people include um, Mark Twain, Arthur Miller, uh, Tennessee Williams, Dylan Thomas, Madonna, strike pose. There you go. And several others. The following lists um, others that have lived there or at least visited this haunted hotel throughout history. Um, Janis Joplin... Mm. Gone gone way too soon. Alice Cooper, Patti Smith, Jimi Hendrix, and Sid Vicious. Yeah, that's <sighs> his own podcast. Yeah. Singer-songwriter Joni Mitchell wrote in her hit wrote her hit Chelsea Morning at the hotel. 
Did you I don't that? know that song. I don't either, but now I kind of want to look it up. Nah, I'm not a huge Joni Mitchell fan. <laughs> the song inspired President Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton to name their daughter after the hotel. That's nice. Interesting. In hmm. room 407, Arthur C. Clarke penned 2001 A Space Odyssey. Cool. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Kind of reminds me with the Stanley Hotel and um, how Stephen King wrote The Shining yeah. there. It's kind of neat, you know. Um, all right, so let's see some deaths and hauntings. Let's get into that. When evaluating the haunted places in New York and several other states, you will find that there is nearly always some type of death that occurs in what paranormal investigators consider to be hot spots. Yeah. The same holds true for Hotel Chelsea. It's a hot spot. Hot spot. I believe that. Oh, yeah. Many believe that the famous ghosts that haunt the location have a lot to do with the deaths that have occurred in and or around the establishment. While none of the deaths seem to be related, there definitely seems to be a black cloud lingering above particular city, New York City Hotel. All right, so the individuals that have been gripped by this dark cloud seem to portray it best. At one point, Sid Vicious told the Associated Press that the Chelsea Hotel is a vortex, an artistic tornado of death and destruction and love and broken dreams. Sid Vicious was nothing if not a poet. One of the most popular deaths involved a woman by the name of Nancy Spungen. In life, she was the girlfriend of the basis of the group known as the Sex Pistols, Sid Vicious. The poet. The poet, oh yes. Hmm. Nancy left home when she was only 17 years old, and she immediately moved to New York City and acquired a job as a stripper. As one is wont to do. Oh yes. <laughs> You got to, you know, to live in New York City. You know, Sid and Nancy are their whole other podcast that I'm sure, you know, I know we're not going to get completely into it, but they're the, they're a whole other level of dysfunction. Oh, yeah. It'll make you feel better about your own life. I can tell yeah. you that much. It is said that she enjoyed following certain bands around such as Aerosmith and the Ramones. In the year 1977, she, reloc she relocated to London and met the lead singer of the Sex Pistols. So stripping pays well. It's got to, you know, yeah. dollar dollar bills. Despite the fact that she showed an interest in the lead singer of the band named Johnny Rotten, he did not return her affection. No, you can always get the bass player. How tragic. When she realized that he was not interested, she began showing interest in Sid Vicious. Soon they developed a relationship and even moved into the same home. Shacking up right away, Brandy. <laughs> During Gotta lock that shit down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> During the relationship... Both she and Sid experimented with many different drugs. So you got the perfect cocktail for something bad to happen. Right. It was during this time that the press dubbed her as nauseating Nancy. How terrible. Because she would often show signs of verbal and physical abuse in public without regard for others. Yeah, I hate people like that. Mm -mm. The Sex Pistols officially broke apart in the year of 1978, and she and Sid moved into the Hotel Chelsea. Hmm. It is said that the couple resided in room 100 under different names that they were known so that they'd be out of the public eye, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It has been said that the couple continued to delve deeper into drugs and that there were many heated arguments between the two. On the 12th day of October in the year 1978, Nancy was discovered dead on the bathroom floor of the room at the Chelsea Hotel and Sid was arrested for her murder. He got released and was awaiting trial when he took his last hit of heroin and he died. Many believe that some of the famous ghosts at this hotel are that of Sid, Nancy, and Sid. Since the late 1970s, guests have reported hearing the voice of a young woman screaming and begging Sid not to kill her. 
Well, that oh, yeah. would just ruin your night. Yeah, that will. I'd be checking out. Mm-hmm. There has been sightings of Nancy slowly walking the hallways of the Chelsea. In 1980, one guest reported sharing an elevator ride with a young woman named Nancy who mentioned that her boyfriend was a famous musician. When the guest exited the elevator and turned to wish the young lady a good night, she was gone. That gives me cold chills just talking about it. After seeing a photo of Nancy Spungen the next day, the guest identified her as the woman on the elevator. Nice. That's nice and creepy. Yes. Well, over the years, guests clearly have complained. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think I would be complaining too. Somebody need, again, let's pull in a priest or do something. You all know it's there. Sage that shit. It's like an, it's like an infestation. Mm-hmm. So the next death that's considered to be quite popular when it came to the Hotel Chelsea is that of poet and writer Nate. Dylan Thomas, that occurred many years earlier than Nancy's on the ninth day of November in the year of 1953. Mm -hmm. Thomas was a Welsh poet and writer whose works included the poems, Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night. His work tended to focus on death and depression, as some poem, some poets, that's, yeah, about all they do. It's like beautifully dark. Yes. Uh, Thomas was born in Wales in 1914. He was an undistinguished pupil. He left school at 16 and became a journalist for a short time. Many of his works appeared in print while he was still a teenager. However, it was the publication in 1934 of Light Breaks Where No Sun Shines that caught the attention of the literary world. While living in London... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Thomas met Caitlin McNamara, whom he married in 1937. And much like Sid and Nancy, their relationship was defined by alcoholism and mutually destructive behaviors. Um, let's see. They lived hand to mouth in the early part of their marriage because, you know, he's a poet and doesn't make any money. Seriously. <laughs> Artists. Through dedication to his craft, Thomas came to be appreciated as a popular poet during his lifetime, which is unlike some of the other people who, you know, die and finally get appreciated. Mm-hmm. But just because he was popular doesn't mean people were throwing money at him because he found earning a living as a writer to be difficult. You know what, Brandy? I bet if he cut off his ear like Van Gogh did, people would appreciate him a lot more after he died. Or anything. Something. I mean, my gosh. It's kind of sad. <laughs> um, he began, I know it's hard to have that level of popularity and still be like, you know, poor. Right. That would suck. It'd be like, throw me some money. <laughs> uh, he began augmenting his income with reading tours and radio broadcasts. I can see that. Mm-hmm. 
His radio recordings for the BBC during the late 1940s brought him to the public's attention, and he was frequently used by the BBC as a populist voice of the literary scene. I love the BBC. It makes me feel fancy when I watch it. Yes, very classy. Mm, So classy. (laughs) Although critically acclaimed, Thomas still found it hard to support his young family. Uh, His marriage to Caitlin was also plagued by his numerous infidelities because he's very popular but poor and he's a tortured artist. So, of course, that's panty dropping stuff right there. Oh, yeah. I can imagine, you know, walking into a bar, him sitting there and be like, have I ever told you about this poem? Just reading it to you and trying to seduce you in a back alley. Yeah, Yeah, and you're (laughs) half in the bag. Yeah, you go for it. Uh, Despite a range of wealthy patrons, the early 1950s found Thomas still in bad financial straits. Thomas wrote several begging letters to notable literary figures, including the likes of T.S. Eliot. During his writing career, Thomas had made two prior trips to the United States to promote his work. In 1953, desperate for money, he decided once again to travel to the U.S. You know, I found his problem. If he would have done what Nancy did and just became a stripper, all of his money problems would be over. That's Well, that's evidently that's true. Or I'm, if he charged know. his lovers and all his numerous infidelities. Yeah, why can't he find a cougar or sugar mama to take care Something. of him? My gosh. All right, so in October of 1953, he arrived in the state of New York, and according to those around him, he had a wealth of medical problems. Many claim that he suffered from regular blackouts and even suffered from medical conditions associated with his heart. In addition to these issues, he also had to carry an inhaler because of the fact that he suffered from respiratory conditions. You know, the consumption or asthma or something. Something. Sounds like a hot mess. It sounds like the guy you do not want to sit next to on the plane. Ugh. In addition to the medical complications he suffered from, he also suffered from alcoholism. So he was a drunk. Perfect recipe for all craziness. Uh, During his stay at the Chelsea, Thomas drank heavily. Uh, He spent much of his time drinking at the famed White Horse Tavern located near the Chelsea Hotel. In March 1953, he got hammered and fell down a flight of stairs and broke his arm. So there you go. I've had many a drunken night. Well, you know. I didn't fracture anything or break anything. Well, who hasn't? Who hasn't (laughs) had one of those nights? Stubbed a toe or two. Uh, Throughout 1953, his health got worse, and a Mm. turning point came on November 2nd of 1953. Air pollution in New York had risen significantly uh, and exacerbated Thomas's respiratory problems. Ugh. By the end of the month, 200 New Yorkers had died from the smog. That's got to be some heavy smog. Well, they didn't have e-check for their cars either. Oh, true. Mm. On November 3rd, 1953, Thomas spent most of the day sick in bed or hungover. <laughs> On November 4th, Thomas was scheduled to meet with his publicist at 10 a.m., When he didn't show up, his publicist phoned him at the Chelsea. Thomas said he was feeling ill and postponed the engagement. Later that day, Thomas felt well enough to go to the bar and have a couple of drinks. Of course. Because hair of the dog. Right. According to those that talked to him, Thomas claimed to have drank 18 straight whiskeys. How did did, did that not bother him? You know, because he's drunk. I mean, that's gotta be insane. I just couldn't imagine reaching that level. I, I mean, I have two or three drinks, and I'm three sheets to the wind. Yeah, because so. he's drunk and he has a tolerance. It's crazy. It's like you know, people that do heroin, and then all of a sudden they develop a two thousand dollar a day habit. Oh my god! Like how 
yeah, I can't even imagine. Well, I, I don't have either. that kind of money. I can't. I don't. When you think I don't he, make he's so poor, it sounds like you know habit. he's robbing Peter to pay Paul. So how did he afford those eighteen whiskeys? Oh, you know he's got a tab. <laughs> he's got something. You know he's got a tab. Maybe he did find a sugar mama that we just don't know about. Maybe. So after several hours of drinking, he started feeling sick again. Imagine that, and he returned <laughs> to the hotel. Uh, as evening approached, Thomas's breathing now was becoming labored. He was unable to sit up in bed, and he called a close friend, artist Jack Helkler, uh, to visit him at the Chelsea. Many individuals claim that Dylan Thomas died that night of alcohol poisoning, but there was a doctor that visited him several times right before his death. At midnight on November 5, 1953, Thomas's breathing became more difficult and his face turned blue. That's not a good sign. The ambulance was summoned, and Thomas was admitted to the emergency ward at St. Vincent's Hospital at 1.58 a.m., by this point, he's comatose, and his medical notes state that the impression upon admission was acute alcoholic encephalopathy, damage to the brain by alcohol, for which the patient was treated without response. I could have never pronounced that, so you get a trophy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, based on reports from the doctors, it's established that he suffered from bronchitis, pneumonia, and a relatively high white, white blood cell count. Dylan Thomas never regained consciousness and died on November 9, 1953. Rumors circulated of a brain hemorrhage, followed by competing reports that he had been mugged and even that he drank himself to death, which is kind of, yeah, I mean, he probably did. That probably played a huge factor in his death. Yeah. Uh, Later, there was speculation about drugs and the diabetes. The diabetes. So they think he had the sugars. Uh Uh-oh. Uh, there were some that suggested that Thomas had been mugged and struck in the head walking from the White Horse Tavern back to the Chelsea. At postmortem, the pathologist found three causes of death. So clearly this guy is an overachiever. Uh, he died from pneumonia, brain swelling, and a fatty liver. Uh, d- but despite his heavy drinking, his liver showed no signs of cirrhosis. That just blows my mind. I know, right? Uh, His wife, Caitlin, who was still in the UK, became so distraught at the news of her husband's death, she had to be restrained by a straitjacket and eventually committed to a mental institution. Which I find interesting because it sounds like they really weren't that all that happy together. So, I mean, did she think, oh, what little income we did have coming, we don't have that anymore? Or, you know, people don't like change. It's going to be a huge. That's you know now. I don't know. It doesn't say if they had kids or anything. I guess it's not important to the story. But yeah, you know. So now she's a single, she's a widow. They're not that old. Right. Um, you know, so now she's a widow. I don't know if they have kids, like that but song. she's got that. You don't know what you yeah. got till it's gone. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, he, yeah, so, you know, people don't like change. No. Since his death, Dylan Thomas has apparently joined the ranks of famous ghosts that are said to haunt the hotel. Many people claim they've seen his face on numerous occasions, especially around the room identified as 206, where he passed away. One guest, Anna Rotterdam, stayed in the room in May of 1971. She reportedly was lying in bed at night looking up and right in front of the bedroom mirror when she saw Dylan Thomas's head in midair. Anna was quoted by journalists saying, The head seemed to grimace at me, and I will never forget the eyes staring down at me almost bug-eyed the face seemed to be wearing some kind of theater makeup bright red lips drawn on very carefully white face paint and ear length tightly coiled black hair why would she think that was is that what he looked like did he wear makeup why would she think that whatever Uh could have been maybe he you know is doing some other crazy person 
He could have been doing his own rendition of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. He could have been, or it could be some <laughs> other crazy person. I don't know why she thinks that, but Why whatever. it was him, who knows. Uh, there have been many other sightings of the famous poet at the hotel. Uh, in 1972, the hotel received numerous complaints of guests being confronted by a drunk near room 206. Now, that sounds more like it. That's him. Yeah. The the lipstick-wearing guy, that, that that's not him. That's a weird <laughs> thing. It's Bella Lugosi or something. Something. Uh, when clerks investigated, they found that the room and the hallway were empty. Well, yeah, they don't hang out there and just <laughs> waiting on people. They got to run away. They're drunk. They don't want you to take their alcohol. Right. <laughs> Uh, upon checking out the next day, one of the guests who encountered the man noticed a familiar picture on the wall in the lobby. That's the man, exclaimed the guest. That's the drunk who accosted me, he told the desk clerk. <laughs> well, now you just sound like a crazy person. I do. If you just ran down the hallway, that's the man that accosted me. That just sounds I so know. silly. <laughs> it's, it does. You say, that's the guy that was bugging me. Mm-hmm. That's, but the guest was shocked to learn that the photo on the wall was that of former resident Dylan Thomas, who had died 19 years prior. Dun, dun, dun. Right. Guests have also reported seeing Thomas's ghost walk the hallways of the Chelsea, and on several occasions, people have reported seeing his ghost drinking in the hotel lobby. He's still keeping it going. Hey. The party, liver still works, Party apparently. don't stop. Party don't stop. <laughs> One guest even reported having a 20-minute conversation with a writer, Dylan, while staying at the Chelsea in the late 1970s. So, you know, he's... He's still schmoozing some ladies. Schmoozing something. Yeah. Yeah. Still a ladies man. Mm -hmm. There are many famous ghosts associated with the hotel. And this is one reason it's considered to be one of the most haunted places in New York. In May 2011, the hotel was sold to real estate developer Joseph Chitret for $80 million. Nice. In August... Uh, 2011, the hotel, the hotel stopped taking reservations for guests in order to begin renovations. Uh, but there have been a bunch of delays in those efforts. Uh, the renovations prompted complaints by the remaining tenants of health hazards caused by the construction. These were investigated by the building by the city's building department. In 2013, Ed Sheets became the Chelsea Hotel's new owner, and he plans to reopen the historic hotel sometime in 2018. If you have an interest in the paranormal, perhaps you should consider investigating the famous ghost of the Hotel Chelsea for yourself. You may just find it is, in fact, a vortex of spirits. So I can see that. I'm tired. All these places are like the gateway to hell. Like, there's a lot of gateways to hell running around this country. Yeah. And and the world. I mean, there's some... How many... I mean, how many entrances does hell have exactly? Well, I'm not sure. Yeah, seems like a lot. <laughs> I also want to, I know our viewers can't see this, and once we get our Facebook page up and running, they can see this, but check this out. That was taken at the Chelsea. Yeah, that's creepy as crap. It shows a, it looks like a full-formed that's a naked woman. woman. Yeah, that's a woman. Chilling on the bed. Bizarre. Well, she's probably considering jumping out the window or something. Who knows? <laughs> so that's the Hotel Chelsea. Um, so if you're ever in New York, stop by. I don't think it's in a sketchy part of town or anything i don't know manhattan have sketchy parts of town i don't think it does <sighs> well some sketchier than others yeah but still. just so you know it's not in a necessarily sketchy part of town stop by maybe stay see what you can see what you can come up with see, avoid see the who subways. you see yeah stay out of sid and nancy's room for sure oh yeah. yeah yeah avoid the subways i mean if i heard someone screaming and begging you know for mercy from sid i i don't know that even nope. if I just heard those screams from down the hall, I don't really think I could sleep there. No, I'm out. Ugh. I'm out on that. 
Blah. Yeah. So that concludes our episode of the um, Hotel Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So, Rachel, do you have anything you want to add or anything like that? Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Hopefully you love us. If you have any constructive criticism, you know, um, you can always feel free to reach out to us as well. But please, please, please give us a good review. We, we like good reviews. <laughs> yes. We like good reviews. Um, so that concludes our, our, our uh, episode for today. Yes. Um, y'all have a, a wonderful, wonderful day and, and uh, be careful. And sleep tight. Don't let the ghosties bite. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.